Hey everyone, welcome to the Lane Foundations podcast. This is your co-host Davis Tambrick. Going alongside me always is Walker Lott. What's up, Walker? What's up, Davis? Uh, so we have something big that we started doing. I'm gonna let you introduce it, but we wanted everyone to know uh, before we got into today's podcast. Yeah, we're happy to announce that we have launched the Lane Foundations newsletter. If you have not been able to chance to to go get it. Just go to our website. We have a newsletter tab. Um, that's where you can access us, but also in the show notes every week. But the newsletter is really just a, another opportunity for people to learn about what it takes to be successful in construction and really at a young age. But the emotional intelligence side, but also how do you invest in the relationships around you, I think is the most important thing that we hit on each week in a podcast. But being able to put it down and put it into words and maybe give someone some, some written content instead of just audio, it gives people another opportunity to, to, to learn and grow. And so it's been something really cool to start understanding what it takes to write each week uh, as well as put out a podcast. So we're, me and Walker are growing uh, each and every week and I uh, definitely want to give a shout out to Hayden. We couldn't have done it without him. Um, he's you. been giving Lane Foundations a, a much needed facelift and it's just been cool to get to, have the opportunity to continue to serve the people that we do. But just to get into today's podcast, we had a guy named Jack Rowe out of Texas on here. Uh, so Jack does land development. It was really fascinating, honestly. I, I really didn't know the process. I didn't know how it worked. And he was able to take us from the very beginning of, hey, I have an idea. I want to develop this land. I want to build 30 homes, you name it, to all the way from that to getting utilities in the ground, uh, getting the, the land graded, getting the plots ready for someone to come in and just put a house on there to make it livable. Uh, it, it was fascinating. There's a lot more to it. You know, one, at one point he talked about having 30 touches involved in this, uh, which is insane when you think about it, because then you add even more to that when you're actually building the home and you're uh, having to sell it and you got all kinds of trades, people coming in to do it. I mean, it's you might have a few hundred people that have to touch just one plot of land or be involved in it in order for you to move into your home. So the next time you walk in your house, think about, uh, I wonder how many people were involved in order for me to live here. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, he's talking about the stakeholders, right? Like it takes 30 stakeholders. It's by the time that you finally are able to pour concrete from slab, who knows how many people and how yeah. much money has been spent in it's something really fascinating to me because I think one day I would like to be in this area and like real estate investing and land development. But if you think about it, it's all the stuff that most contractors, uh, tradesmen, women, we don't even know anything about. It's just this, this side that the owner does that, man, to have the land acquisition, do, do de- due diligence to be able to get the site ready so that yeah. we can then start building. And it's just cool to get to see into the side of what the owner does. Yeah, exactly. Guys, we're super uh, excited for you to hear it. And like Dave said in the beginning, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. Without further ado, Jack Rowe. Jack, welcome to the show, man. Excited to have you on. Uh, I know we actually got to talk on the phone a little bit a month or two ago. I'm excited to now dive a little bit further uh, into your story and how you got into real estate, construction side of things. But just to begin with, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Well, howdy. I'm, I'm Jack Rowe. Um, you said who I am, what I do. So I'm in land development. I guess now it's commercial, so you could say you know real estate development. There you go. I've historically been on the land side of things, like horizontal improvements. And uh, where am I from? I'm from Huntsville, Texas, nice. not Alabama. So most people know it as Prison City, where uh, all the prisons are. <laughs> so, oh wow! Uh, I 
I actually looked at Huntsville on a map today because my buddy called me. He was driving through Texas. He's going to a, a smaller town. Oh, that's you. Yeah, he was going to a smaller town than Huntsville, and I was trying to find it, and I was like, "Oh, Huntsville, Texas. That's like Huntsville, Alabama." Yeah, yeah, it's a cool place to grow up. Uh, I enjoyed it. You so how'd you? Me. So how'd you? Uh, how'd you get started in in where you are now? Uh, well, it wasn't from living in Huntsville. You know, it was like this town that didn't grow. It, you know, now it's growing, but I didn't even know what like real estate development was up until I guess a professor ended up sitting in on one of my presentations. So I was in architecture school undergrad. Uh, decided I wanted to sleep a little bit more and that that <laughs> to take a different route in auxiliary business. Uh, but that's my exposure. I had an internship with um, Blackard Global. I think it's called Blackard Companies now, which is like a boutique real estate development firm uh, that's done some cool, definitely novel stuff up here in McKinney. Uh, North Texas, like uh, he did the Adriatica Village, which is like a, uh, I guess like a rebuild. It's modeled based off of like a Croatian village, so it's definitely interesting That's and cool. unlike anything else up here. Um, so that was my first exposure. You know, he was a CEO, owner, president. So I just shadowed him and saw the, what a dynamic kind of business it was. You're dealing with tons of different people and. Um, industry so thought it was exciting and uh tried my hand at some other things and found you know that I did want to get back and to development but needed probably more education so I went back yeah uh, I'm a product of Texas A&M's Master of Land and Property Development there program, you go cool which awesome. is uh, as far as I know is only like single family residential land development focused program uh, cool. and it's curriculum taught by you know, created by and taught by developers. So very practical, um, kind of very applicable to, you know, day one on the job. So that, after a few months of searching for the position I wanted, was kind of a foot in the door. And then I guess when I, in my last semester, uh, I was just so eager to learn that I volunteered. Yeah. I was like, hey, one of my classmates was a development manager for the local builder, Stylecraft Builders. and uh, I just said, can I just drive around with you and see what you do? Like, I don't want to get paid or anything. And they, uh, I guess his boss liked my my eagerness and they gave me a part-time job. So that was like my resume, you know, cool. that yeah. kind of got me in uh, with Lenar. That's cool, man. So, Here, are you working for Lenar now? I'm not. So I'm with Taylor Morrison now. Uh, gotcha. I've worked for, I guess, three of the, well, Four Star is a subsidiary of D.R. Horton. Yeah. So. You could say I worked for three of the five top five public home builders um, in their land departments. So what is it like? So I know for, for people that maybe are more segmented into the construction industry, when you hear land development, that's a broad term, right? Like, what does that mean? Like, so for you coming out of college, what was it like your role and what were the things that you were doing then? Well, I got really lucky. Um, and, you know, there's, there's relatively few of land positions open because every company might have a couple people in the department who do that. So someone left, I ended up getting a phone call, got an interview, and I basically started with, you know, seven projects that were just, you know, they trusted me, thankfully, and said, you know, here you go. 
manage these. You know, we need them to be on time and under budget. Of course, they were all in different stages of construction because they were just left by whoever left. And uh, so it was kind of trial by fire and drinking through a fire hose for six to eight months and just feeling overwhelmed and late nights and a lot of note taking and yeah, to differentiate like what is important <laughs> and all that I'm looking at from kind of the noise. And so it was a really quick learning curve, um, which was a boon for me because I got a lot of experience, like high volume, really fast. Uh, so it was, it's really land development <clears throat> on the project management side. Okay. Almost like construction, but I'm, you're really playing the owner's rep, right? So we're the client. I'm not the contractor necessarily, although what we're doing is pretty much general contracting for infrastructure. So okay. we're bidding out, we're, we're, we're installing, we're doing the grading, the earthwork, you know, they say dirt pipe paving, right? So grading it to make sure it drains and um, is compacted for home foundations and things. Um and then you're putting in what utilities, water, potable water pipe. Uh, we put in electric, phone, cable, internet. Cool. Gas. Everything uh, you need to to just build a house and then, you know, put a structure on it and live in it. Yeah. The project management side of land development, those departments within home builders, are, is, mm-hmm. you're basically managing infrastructure construction. That's cool. So you're making a lot you know, that's subdivided that you can hand to the builder and be like, this is shovel ready for you to put your slab on the ground and go vertical. That's cool. Could you walk us through? So, you know, when people hear land development, David's touched on it. So walk us through the whole process. So like a developer, or you or a client, you know, we all said you were the client, but someone buys this property and they're like, we want to build, we want to build 30 houses on this, but in order to build 30 houses on this, we have to do these steps in order to get there. Land right? acquisition, due diligence. That's yeah. So, yeah. so what's the overall like from from idea of I want to go out and build these things to actually building the house on there? Because it, it's a long process that builders just don't know yeah. unless you know, like you have a uh, jack row that's there to help you and educate you. It's a lot of bureaucracy, right? Yeah, so for it's sure. It is jumping through municipal hoops. So, I mean, what I you know, having worked for builders mostly um, or exclusively. You have a use in mind, right? So I'm looking for land that is well suited for single family residential or now I'm doing this built to rent product, which is more detached multifamily. But okay. you have a use in mind. You're looking for land that meets the criteria that you need. So, you know, whether that's proximity to uh, employment centers, highway, retail, restaurant, commercial, you know, wh- where would someone want to live? And then is it a use that is uh you know, it may be by right zoning. So you can just submit the plans and, you know, it's already zoned for what you need, but oftentimes we have to rezone it, which is what I do a lot of now. So you find it and maybe it's zoned agricultural use or commercial use or multifamily, whatever it is, you know, it's more difficult to change zoning from one type to another, depending on what the two are, but it's common here in North Texas to rezone agricultural zoned land to single family. And then, so there's that zoning process, which you're sending out letters of intent, LOIs to landowners, or, you know, maybe brokers bring you a deal, put it under contract. And then you, you know, have, you know, 90 to 180 days to Mm -hmm. conduct due diligence. 
And so you're doing your geotechnical testing and your environment, your phase one environmental side analysis and uh, financial feasibility. You're trying to get from the engineer, like a we call an OPC opinion of probable cost based on kind of rules of thumb. You can do more detailed ones that cost more, right? But how much is the infrastructure going to cost to install? Mm-hmm. Because you got your land basis, your land cost, development cost, which is really your horizontal construction. And then that puts you in your per lot cost. And that's ultimately what you're looking at to say, okay, I can build homes in this market that'll sell for $250,000 or 400 now, whatever, right? And right. so I need a land basis of 50K right. to be profitable on that. And so as a rule of thumb, it's typically your, for production builders, like your land cost should be 20 to 25% of what you could sell the home for. Okay. Based on construction pricing. That may be changing now, you know, like if you live in a really fancy neighborhood, the land might be way more than the value of the house. Right. But that all depends. So basically you're spending six months, you know, spending a hundred thousand dollars on engineering legal uh whatever waters of the u.s or whatever quirky you know we say what what the hair is right so a lot of hairy deals up here because all all the easy ones have been developed by now so you're working through all the problems and really determining whether it's feasible and then uh once you close typically in single family it's a generally broadly accepted use, so you're not anticipating um, too much pushback on zoning. Yeah. So it's typical to kind of start on the plans and be shovel ready. So you close, you know, you got your resident control in the next day or next week, and then you're breaking ground. And then from there, it's changing now because demand has more or less doubled. Yeah. Things are changing, but you know the amount of contractors. And workers hasn't doubled. So uh, it's a little slower. That's why we're here. A couple months than it has been, right? But we're really, you know, dirt pipe paving. That's kind of the order of things. And yeah. there's there's a minimum, I've like counted it up. There's a minimum of 30 different parties needed to make wow. every deal work. Like from, you know, attorneys to civil engineers to geotechnical engineers to, wow. you know, and that's just on the land side, not even right. including architects and right. all the people. But so, you know, you grade the site, we call it rough grading. So get it, you know, you bench the lot, the pads, the lots, cut the swales in the streets. Mm -hmm. uh, Then you put in your retaining walls, which we do a lot up here. There's a lot of topo um, screening wall. Then you put in, they come in and trench down the middle of the street, install the sewer pipe, you know, storm pipe, water pipe, cover it up. Then you have the geotech guys are compact, you know, making sure it's compacted and has a correct moisture so that you won't see pavement failures. And then uh, your paving guys come in and Texas, at least North Texas, it's totally concrete uh, street. So it's, it's like a slip form paving machine where they're basically trucking in and dumping, you know, wet cement into this machine. Really? Spits out a street on the back. And then That's you have guys cool. like shaping, awesome. smoothing it out. It's it's my favorite part to watch. It's pretty fun. I bet. Is it is it set off of the curb? How does that work? Or so they have work? they have like a string line, which is they have like metal posts that have a string yeah. on it, and there's this very sensitive kind of like mm-hmm. 
lever to it. Yeah. I'll go about a term that it's like it's moving up and down and that controls the elevation of the that's machine. So cool. That is that's really cool. That's some that's some high tech equipment. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's cool. cool. Though. And then yeah. after that, we put in all the meanwhile, you're you're coordinating the elect with the electrical companies, the phone companies, internet, gas. Uh oftentimes we, we do a lot of tertiary and secondary markets. So there might be off-site work to get yeah. to your so uh we're installing you know we call it joint trench installation so franchise utilities which is utilities that aren't wet right so it's your your phone line your yeah. electricity gas internet and that all goes into one trench hmm. in the right-of-way which is you know 10 feet back a curb into your yard that any of those companies can just unilaterally go and they have the right to install their facilities there but we try to coordinate it right so that when the home's ready there's energy yeah yeah um and then you come in once it's all done you fine grade it and uh, make sure it's precise elevations uh, for your you know setting pads and sidewalks and mm-hmm. finally put in your landscape and irrigation and then uh, you're going through inspections with the civil inspectors of city staff because ultimately once you record the plat you're essentially deeding or transferring mm-hmm. ownership of all the public improvements which is the utilities and the pavement mm-hmm. and then they take ownership of that and then there's a typically a two-year maintenance period where our contractors have a bond that if something goes wrong they're accountable for fixing it or else huh. The bond holder, which is the city in this case, can call on the bond, and that's not good for their credit score, right? So, Jeez. Um, it's a good accountability measure. So, typically, you know, you need it, and then as soon as the city accepts it, then your con- then your vertical guys can start building homes. And some places, if it's ETJ or you know, extra territorial district mm-hmm. uh, or jurisdiction. Sometimes you can do what they call prairie building, which is like building before you have electricity. Maybe you're using a generator or whatever. So depending on the urgency or your deadlines, you know, they may try to, you may try to start going vertical as soon as you can, but. Wow. I didn't know you could do that. It takes, you know, on average about 12 months to 15 months for like a hundred to 150 lot development. Oh, jeez. Depending on offsites and every deal is different because land is where it is and there's different people and plants and mm-hmm. stuff happening but so from your side tell me if i'm hearing this right it's taylor morrison i want to get to make sure i'm that's her work. yeah yeah and so whenever they go look at a land development opportunity they're they're buying the land to keep it themselves to be the owner to, to own the lots as well or do they sell that land once they get it ready or they do so, both you have kind of like retail lot developers, which might be like four star technically is a retail lot developer, although they're owned by a, the number one largest public builder. Right. So right. most home builders have their own land department and maybe they buy 50% of their lots from fee developers or, other, you know, other developers, and then they self develop the other half of their pipeline. Mm-hmm. So really they own it the whole time. Right. And so they buy it. We conduct due diligence. The company buys it. We develop it. And then there's an internal transfer. That's the accounting stuff I'm not too involved with, but, you know, to the what other entity. Because once you record the plat on a subdivision, 
you've subdivided it. It was one lot and now it's gotcha. a hundred lots. Gotcha. And each okay. one of those lots can be independently owned. Huh. And then so that kicks off a whole different process. Uh, so yeah, we own it, you know, we own it from developing land, you know, clearing from all land to vacant developed lots. Right. It's it's interesting because on my job, excuse me, I wasn't there from the very beginning, but um, you know, it was getting this land ready and the general contractor was already on site from like the first day they started clearing and grubbing. And sometimes that's probably unusual, right? Usually it's uh the owner probably hired a civil contractor and they're coming in and they're doing all the clearing and grubbing, they're getting it pad ready. And then a general contractor probably shows up once it's time for vertical. But we were there from the early start. And so it was cool when I got out there, um, they were still um, developing the, this back part of the site. There was going to be cottage pads and there were still laying utility. So I got to see all that, you know, get to see trench boxes and yeah. people just all the stuff that people don't see. That's not really sexy. Uh, man is hard work and man is it complicated and mm -hmm. you just take for granted for having having fresh water and able to use your toilet and having like it's like just all this stuff that you don't realize how intricate it can what's be under the guys <laughs> what'd you say yeah like what's under the street like yeah, yeah. exactly and none of the stuff that gets buried and those guys no just bust that. it right and it's just unbelievable to me because man getting coming up out of the ground what we call it in general contractor world but man it's so much fun to me it was it was, a, oh, yeah. it was cool to get to learn it was awesome to get to have the big equipment on site and while we we're pouring concrete and um i don't know just it makes me think about you know from y'all's side y'all are in it every day but from the gc side or people that just have a home they never see it and you have to place importance on things and that's really why you know one of the things we started the podcast was the misconceptions of construction and you don't realize how hard those people work to get to where you're able to live comfortably. And if you can try to paint that picture like you did, you did a really good job. Thanks. Now they understand of all the different things that, man, what, what, what does Jack Rowe and his team do on a daily basis? So Yeah, it's really fun. I love it. You know, you get to interact with so many different people, your contractors, attorneys, uh, surveyors, uh, consultants, uh, you know, landowners, brokers. And then your whole internal team, electric company. But you just, it's fun because no two days are exactly the same. That's right. Just by the nature of every piece of land being like unique. So um, you encounter, you may encounter problems that are like fall under the same umbrella, but uh, it's, it's, you're never like, oh man, this again. It's just like, there's always a new challenge in a sense of uh, something that's different enough to where it's engaging and uh, keeps you. Yeah, I enjoy it a lot. Like I so, feel like that I really enjoy what I do. So what's awesome. your what's what do you enjoy? What's your favorite part of it? You know what when you get when you get to work in the morning, you're like, ah, oh, I mean, I can't wait to do this. Or I hope my day I hope my day looks more like this than it looks like something else. Sometimes I never have that. Thought. I don't have time to have that thought. But you know, really, it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of you know on the fly problem solving that involves you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So it's yeah. It's high stakes and you got to stay on your toes. So um, I can't say that there's any one thing I love the most other, you know, other than just like working enjoy on you know, dealing with people. Right. Yeah. So uh, I enjoy negotiating a lot, um, which, you know, is more on the kind of before you buy the land. Right. But you're also right. with contractors and 
just the, the trust and relationships that you build to make these things happen is, you know, like I've been talking to the same guys for six years wow. you know, for dozens of projects. So you get to know each other and it's, it's just fun to be part of that, of that community and the yeah. industry. It's, it's a small world. See, so you talk about, you know, people and relationships like you just now, and a big part of our, our podcast, big part of uh, laying foundations is, people it's the relationships so go on a little bit more about that talk about how how much those mean in in your area uh of the world and especially in gc relationships are the most important part you know but for you it's if you burn someone once then that's going to get around right or if you uh right. you do if you do something that's that's not as ethical as it should be then people are going to pick up on that and might not want to work with you you know so how does building those relationships daily really come into effect well, yeah, your your word and your ethics is everything, right? Because I, I'm essentially a conductor of construction professionals. I could not go superintend utility construction or paving or earthwork or retaining. I couldn't manage anything yeah. that I'm hiring. I know enough about it to call BS and know, you know, set expectations that are realistic and hmm. keep, you know, grease the wheels. But uh they're the experts. I respect that. I'm not their boss. I'm their customer or client. Right. And so I want to be the best client that they have. That's and part good. of that is, you know, I want to pay them as quickly as I can. So I'm not, you know, you hear stories about some people, you know, holding invoices until the lien notices roll in and hoping to save on some interest for their construction loan. But, mm. you know, my philosophy is they're bankrolling all of their subs. I want them to give me the best service because they like working with me the best and I'm the best for their business. So uh, my philosophy is, you know, I want them to make money and be profitable too. Not too much. <laughs> right. I don't want them to go buy 10 boats with change orders that they're trying to send me, but right. Uh, I need them to make money so that they can continue to perform the service that only they can provide. Yeah. So, and you can't have all your eggs in one basket because, you know, running anywhere from seven to 15 deals at a time. And that's just me. There may wow. be, there's dozens, if not hundreds across the Metroplex. So how do you uh, manage all that? With Carefully. Trip, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, you have to be very persistent. Yeah. You, you got to ride that line between persistence and uh, being obnoxious sometimes. But it's the relationships, right? You know, if you've built rapport with people over the years and you've treated them right and, you know, they might go an extra step for you or, you know, help yeah. you out. And that's the thing. It's like I help them out when able and it and it goes both ways. So uh, it's just it's just the relationships, you know, it's like you're working yeah. Yeah. nine, ten hours a day uh, with these people talking to them year after year. And it's a, I feel it's a lot of kind of not suspense, but you know, these are long-term projects. Like from the time you put it under contract, it's going to be a year or two years before you're finished with it. So so much energy going into these things, and then to see it, you know, a year after you're done, and it's a neighborhood with people living there and yeah. kids in the front yard, uh, jogging around the sidewalks. I mean, it's pretty rewarding. That's awesome. That's cool. And everybody sounds, played a critical role in that. You know, you couldn't right. you couldn't not put utilities in a community. You couldn't not True. put walls where they're needed. So every single person is crucial 
to the completion of these like really complex developments. So, yeah. Fun. Um, it sounds like I might be good at lane developing. I'm persistent enough to be obnoxious. Walker can attest to that. So can the people on my job site. I yeah. feel like I hound them a lot, asking questions to the point they're just like, dude, leave me alone. For your, your day probably looks a lot like mine, except you're dealing with different like bricks and sticks, and I'm dealing with dirt. Exactly. Dirt That's right. Bricks. I like that. Bricks and sticks. That's I like pretty that good. One. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Jack, it's sticks and bricks. Can't remember. <laughs> Jack, as we we wind down, I know we're having a little bit of a, a time to to honor with you, but I just wanted to. We always ask these two questions at the end, and mine is always: um, if you were going to give someone advice to come into the land development or construction industry, what would you tell them? Uh, be persistent. You know, it 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 really is like I love it, but I really have a really high stress tolerance. You know, because yeah. When it rains, it pours, you know, there might be times where it feels like, oh man, this is nice. And the next thing you know, uh, you got 20 fire drills, you know, at your door. So it's, uh, you need to have a certain personality probably, probably. Mm-hmm. And then an interest in, you know, building things, you know, I'm not in tech or anything that's like, you know, sexy on a, uh, on a national scale. Right. But I think right. it's, it's very important because, like here in North Texas, for example, we have, you know, if you average it out, the expectation up until 2040 is about 190,000 people moving here every year. Hmm. And wow. we're not, can't produce that much housing. So there's so much demand and my, this industry, including the home builders and the apartment builders and everyone building housing is, you know, you are building homes for people mm-hmm. and people couldn't live here without it. So. Uh, if you're interested in that and don't, you know, don't mind a lot of driving up here, you know, if you're have to be on site cause you're in 20 different suburbs, but um, it's, it's really fun. If you like dealing with a lot of complex challenges and a lot of people and don't mind uh, being on the phone for five hours, <laughs> but um, it's just a lot of coordination. I feel like I'm with like a glorified secretary really. Cause you're just, like I said, I can't do any one of the things that I'm coordinating other experts do. But my my expertise, I guess, is in the coordinating all of the pieces aspect. And so it's pretty fun. Uh, you know, really, the hard hardest thing is getting in the door because mm-hmm. typically the routes, you know, are, you know, A&M's program is a great foot in the door. Like the name of the degree is land development. It's pretty helpful for that, but it's pretty common for PEs like civil engineers to work on the consultant side. And then they go to work for one of their clients um, or that seems to be probably the most common path. A lot of attorney or people will get like get a law degree and maybe mm-hmm. be an attorney for a couple of years. And then they're like, oh, well, I'm going to go into land acquisitions because they get the contracting and the negotiation side. Uh, so those are pretty common paths. And then a lot of home builders, yeah. construction guys, maybe they're in there for so long that one day a position opens up and they had their hand up and then they get into the land department. And so mm-hmm. uh, there's a few different routes that I've seen that are pretty common, but you know, for me, it was just like expressing interest. Like, man, I just want to learn what you're doing. Yeah. Just drive around with you. Like I'm not. So once you're in the door, there's so few people that know how to do it that 
after a year you're pretty um that's cool you're pretty coveted and well versed yeah you you will be able to stay in the industry as long as you want unless you're just terrible like you got to be competent and polite and you know a good team member yeah so before i started working with the job i'm at now i it was kind of in between like really two companies and uh four star was actually the other company great company yeah so there's there's like really two deciding factors i won't go into it on here um but that was i almost got into to land development which uh you know, it seems like a pretty cool gig. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. It seems to be like a coveted position for people that know of it. You know, mm-hmm. but the thing is, I feel like so many people don't know it's an option, a career or a career path. So yeah. Uh, and again, it's like the only time a job opening is happens is when somebody leaves for another opportunity because it's, gotcha. it's a fun job. It pays well. Uh, it's engaging, and it's a respected job. So people aren't leaving. Right. So it's not like there's not tech startups everywhere. There's kind of entrenched players. And then opportunities are few and far between, which means uh, it's a supply and demand equation, right? There's a lot of opportunity for people in the business because there aren't many people who do it now. Yeah. So, uh, and I, you know, we're, we're North Texas are seeing a massive boom in construction. We're the hottest housing market as far as volume in the U S um, can't build fast enough. And we are seeing a problem with, you know, shortage of labor, skilled trades, development experts as well. So we need that, you know, and I really applaud I you guys for spreading the word about this. Cause it's, it's a fun career. It's rewarding, pays the bills and um, you're building something. Yeah. Well, right? thank you. So, yeah. It's, well, you know, we love it. It's the construction and, and real estate area. It's all co- it's all connected. Yeah. It, you know, it all correlates together. You use people in construction to get what you you need to do done, you know? You can't do um, it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what Davis and I are here to do. We just, we, we love it. And we like to bring people like you on, just kind of talk about it and see, yeah. you know, what area, what areas out there are, are out there for someone to get into. Uh, and land development is one of them. But a lot of niches now. Exactly. But Jack, you know, uh, just kind of closing it out, what's something that if you could go back in time to your 20 year old self that, that you would, you, the advice that you give yourself. I would have just started sooner. (laughs) Um, you know, honestly, I'm a huge proponent of networking and not in a transactional way. I don't never go to meet someone and expect something from them. I'm not trying to sell people, but um, there's just so much power in your relationships, right? Because whatever talents and skills and connections you have are of no use if other people don't know about them. So I would say, you know, I probably started networking pretty seriously when I was 24 and I, I would have started sooner. Yeah. And just, you know, taking my education and stuff very seriously. And uh, not that I didn't, but more seriously. More seriously. You know, and yeah. I, I just wish I had found, uh, land development sooner and then you know you could have started i could have started on the building side and um something else to segue into it but you know at the time i I felt committed to the industry i went and pursued a master's degree which is what i saw as my best inroad to the industry Mm -hmm. and it was successful but there's people who start just working right yeah and the good thing about working is that you're making money and also you're you're learning 
experientially versus um, academically. So I just want to start it sooner. I, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I can tell you have a passion for it, that which is what one. which is what you want to see. That's what you want to see from yeah, someone that has fine. a job. You want to see someone that actually truly enjoys the job that they're doing. So that, oh, yeah. that's great, Jack. Thank you so much uh, for taking your time today. Uh, it's it's cool. I learned a lot about land development that I had really no clue about. So yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like I can take it and now talk to someone and tell them, you know, hey, this is what land development is. So that's exactly what you you want to hear from someone. Um, Thanks for giving me a platform, man. I, I really admire what you guys are doing. Uh, we need more people to to want to work in construction and construction related industries. You know, it's a big need for sure. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast today. We cannot tell you how thankful we are for every single one of our listeners, and we genuinely want to know and learn about you a little bit more. So if you're interested, uh, maybe sending us a question or just saying, hey, or wanted to talk to us a little bit, please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. If you you didn't hear that, didn't understand it, you can go in our show notes and just click on the link and write us an email. Please, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Seriously, me and Davis get excited every single time we get an email from one of our listeners. It, it, It genuinely makes our day. But if you want to find out a little bit more about us uh, via social media, Davis is going to tell you a little bit how to do that. Yeah, thanks, Walker. Guys, like Walker said, reach out to us any way you can. We appreciate feedback, whether you like it or not. You know, it helps us grow in any way. We're welcome. We're, we're here to listen. And whenever you guys tell us, we're going to try to implement that into our strategy. But how to get in contact with us on social media. We have a LinkedIn account called the Lang Foundations Podcast. We have... Uh, Walker, Walker Lots LinkedIn profile. We have Davis Hambrick LinkedIn profile. We have a TikTok page called Lang.Foundations. We have an Instagram page, Lang Foundations. And then, you know, that's where we're at. These are all down in the in the show notes. But guys, we just want to put this out there and however you want to get in contact with us, we're 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 imploring you, please just reach out to us. We'll respond, we'll get back to you. And we want to hear from you. That that you're the reason, one of the reasons why we're doing this. We want to hear from you. We want to hear feedback. How can we grow and how can we get better? Because like we said before, um, receiving accountability and receiving feedback is one of our core values, and that defines Walker and I at our core. We want to hear your feedback. And we want to be be held accountable.